0: CHAPTER THIRTY SEVEN AND NINE YEARS AMONG THE COMANCHES AND APACHES AN AUTOBIOGRAPHY BY EDWIN EASTMAN This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. THE CONCLUSION About this time, rumors were rife that the indians were contemplating a raid on the mine and operations were temporarily suspended meetings were called and a committee of defense organized with a view to taking such measures as would place the settlement in a position to successfully resist all or any attempts of the savages those who had had any experience in indian warfare were called to the council and consulted on the best means to avert the impending calamity the panic was more painfully apparent among those who had come upon the scene hampered with goods and chattels of various kinds these worthies were brimful of wrath and whiskey and gave free vent to the expression of their opinions regarding the outside world generally and indians in particular they were fertile in suggestion and the many schemes they advanced for the total destruction of all who threatened their private interest would have reflected credit not to say renown on a don quixote The thought of my enslaved wife was never absent from my mind. Day and night, sleeping and waking, her image haunted me. I fancied her suffering every degree of misery, and the consciousness that I was powerless to snatch her from the toils of relentless captors caused me the most poignant anguish. I had a vague half-formed notion of seeking her unaided and by once more assuming my indian trappings and cognomen advance into the apache country penetrate to their villages and by a bold dash seize my wife and bear her defiantly off in the very teeth of my adversaries this would have been very spirited and chivalrous no doubt but unfortunately the obstacles that opposed themselves to this plan were legion no sooner did i convince myself of the impracticability of such a mode of procedure than other plans would present themselves which in their turn would have to be relinquished when submitted to the rigorous test of practicability This constant strain on my mind interposed stumbling blocks to my material prosperity as I had no heart for my work and wandered about the diggings aimlessly. I was rallied by my comrades on my morose temper and recommended to try work as an effectual antidote for the causes that were preying on my health. One balmy afternoon, As I sauntered among the working parties, gazing abstractedly at their operations, my attention was attracted to a group who seemed to be very much excited by some event. A few had gathered about an object lying upon the ground, while others were running frantically in different directions as if they were possessed. My curiosity being excited, I approached the group, and found that the cause of this alarm was one of their comrades who had been bitten by a snake the poor fellow was moaning piteously and so sure was he that his death was only a matter of a few hours time that he had begun to make the few bequests that would dispose of all his worldly goods including that little hoard of dust so long and patiently sought for one of his friends knelt at his side and was endeavoring to pour the contents of a flask of whiskey down his throat the poison had taken immediate effect and he doubtless would have been a corpse in a few hours i was immediately recognized and one of the miners accosted me with hello eastman just the man we want now is your time to produce some of those marvelous herbs you have told us about and see what you can do for this poor fellow my sympathies were awakened my mind threw off its semi-stupor and hastily glancing about me on the ground i sought for some of those simple herbs and plants that i had seen so effectually used in similar cases hastily gathering what i needed I soon had leaves bandaged about the swollen parts, and then turned my attention to making a decoction of the herbs. This I forced the patient to take, and after caring for him assiduously during a few hours, I had the satisfaction of noting a marked change for the better. I was deluged with congratulations, and in a short time the fame of this new exploit in the healing art was noised abroad throughout the mine my new friends were not miners in the proper sense of the term but a party of mountain men who had been allured hither by exaggerated reports of the immense wealth that was represented as scattered broadcast over the surface of the earth and was only waiting for a claimant Arriving on the ground, they had staked out a claim, and fell to work without any delay. It is needless to add that they did not realize the immense riches they had so fondly anticipated. The result was that they had sickened of their bargain, and many were for pulling up stakes and returning to the free and easy life among the mountains. A short time after the episode just related, there came to our camp one day a trapper who had but just returned from his traps and was on his way to the nearest trading post to exchange his peltries for powder, wearing apparel, etc. From him we learned that the Indians were preparing for some extensive raid, as he had seen numerous parties who were in their war paint. Among other items, he related how he had been captured by a hand of Apaches, and had remained among them eight days before he succeeded in eluding the vigilance of his guard. From him, I gained the first information concerning my wife. He had been captured by some of Matto Chica's band, and by the description he gave of the white captives at the time in the village, I felt sure that my wife was one of the number learning that on his return he would proceed to the same locality in quest of beaver-blue i determined to accompany him about half a dozen signified their intention of following my example and a party was soon made up the trapper bade us adieu promising to return as soon as his skins were traded for the supplies of which he stood in need gathering together what little money i had I purchased a horse, rifle and pistol, and prepared to go in search of my lost wife. We had not long to wait for our new friend. He returned in less than a week's time, and all being in readiness, we gathered up our traps and took a final leave of the mine of San El Passing out at the northern end of the settlement, we struck the Santa Fe Road. And followed its sinuous windings for some days. We passed through the sleepy Mexican towns that were situated along the route without disturbing in the least degree the habitual drowsiness of their inhabitants. On the fourth day we made a stretch of sixty miles through that terror of travelers in this section, the Hernando del Morto. After having crossed in safety, we rested one day to recuperate the animals and soon after arrived in santa fe halting at the inn that had been the scene of the shooting affray on my former visit our stay in the capital of new mexico was not of long duration and once more we resumed our journey striking out in the westerly direction towards the mountains our first encampment was on the banks of one of the tributaries of the Rio, Colorado. Staking our horses out, as is the custom, we gathered around the campfire, discussing our evening meal of fresh antelope steaks. Many were the stories told of trapper life, and as we filled our pipes for a smoke before retiring, the subject of conversation was upon food all had some anecdote to relate and after each had spun his yarn harding who up to the present had been silent drawled out well i spect as our year have had some tolerable bad gents in your time but i think i can just lay over anything in this here party in the way of shupper how's um ever i'll give yer a chance to hear how this nigger once got his supper up on the yaller stone last season yer see i had been in them parts arter beaver which war plenty and no mistakin. and all one day when i had gone to cache some skins i left my rifle in the grass near my traps like a gosh darn fool who should come along but a party of them black niggers the crows and the first thing they shot eyes upon was my shootin iron in course i seed it all and just had to lay low and cuss my tarnal stupidity while them mere crows hopped around like mad at finding my rifle and things they was so pleased Peered like they forgot theirselves and didn't follow up on my trail, but galloped off carrying my plunder along with He he! <laughs> they miner did as well and let on hard and alone. I reckon that too," remarked one. "Tain't like they made much out of that speculation." Yes, see, I wore cleaned out and left with just a pair of leggings better than two hundred miles from any war. The company's post war the nearest, so I just took down the river in that direction. I never seed varmint varmints so shy. They wouldn't have been, blast em if I had or had my traps. But there wa'n't a critter, from the miners to the buffler, that didn't take on as if they'd known how this nigger war fixed i could get nothing for two days but lizard and scarce at that i chewed up the old leggins until i was naked as pike's peak golly was it winter no twerk half-time and warm enough for that matter i didn't mind the want of garments in that way but i could have eaten more of it i soon struck a town of sand rats and I made snares of my hair and trapped some of of 'em, but they grow shy too, em, and I had to give up that claim. This war the third day, and I were gettin' powerful weak. I gin to think this child's time had come, and I would a turp pass in my chips. Twere a little arter sun up, and I was sittin' on the bank when I seed something curious lie floating downstream. When it came closer, I seed it were the carcass of a buffler and a couple of buzzards flopping about on the thing, picking its peepers out. Twere far out and the water deep, but I said I was going to fetch it ashore, and I did. I took to the water and swum out, I could smell the animal four-hour halfway. I were soon close up and seen at a glimpse that the calf was rotten as punk. The birds, they mizzled, and I wasn't goin' to have my swim for nothing, so I took the tail between my teeth and wagged my flippers for the shore. I had made three strokes when the tail pulled out, I then swum round and pushed that earth thing afore me, until I had got it high and dry on a sandbar. T'were like to melt when I pulled it out of the water, twa'n't eatable know-how. I see the buzzards still flying about, and fresh ones coming, and I took a idea that I might get some, so I laid down close to the buffler and played possum. I want long there for a big cock come a floppin' up and lid on the carcage. I grabbed him by the leg. The cuss thing war nearly as stinkin' as the other, but it were died dog, buzzard or buffler, so I skinned the buzzard. And ate it, inquired one. No, slowly drawed the trapper. It ain't me. A general laugh followed this remark. The rest of the birds got shy and kept away on the other side. Twain't no use tryin' that dodge over again. Just then I spied a coyote comin' loppin' down the bank, and another followin' upon his heels, and two or three more on the same trail. I knowed it would be no joke grippin' one of them by the leg, but I made up my mind to try it, and I laid down just as afore side the calf twere no go they smelt a rat and kep her clar then i took a fresh idea in my head i went for some of old driftwood and made a pen around the buffler and in the wink of an eye i had six of those varmints in the traps then you had em eh old boy said one you bet i just took a lot of stones clumped up on the pen and killed the whole kid of them such as jumping under the island as when i was pepperin' them varmints (laughs) he (laughs) ho 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 order this i had some at to eat and in a few days reached the company's post did you ever see any of those redskins again i inquired well you just better believe i did you see those five notches on that ere rifle? Well, they stand for crows, they do. A general laugh followed this yarn, and all averred that his experience in the eating line was unequaled. After the trapper had finished his story, we wrapped ourselves in our blankets and were, with the exception of the horse guard, soon in a deep slumber. The next morning, We were up and moving at sunrise, and after a march of twenty miles, came to a small stream heading in the Pignon Range. It was fringed with cottonwood trees, and there was grass in abundance for our horses. We made a halt for an hour, and then proceeded on our journey. We had not gone far when we made a discovery that changed all our plans. Harding had been riding about a hundred yards ahead of the main party, when we observed him suddenly stop, bend down, and then throwing up his hands, beckon us on. We were soon up to the spot, asking in a breath what was the matter. He pointed to the ground, and sententiously replied, FRESH Injun SIGN. A consultation was held and after an interchange of opinions it was agreed that the trail was made by apaches and that from the trampled nature of the ground it indicated the presence of a large party we had no doubt as to their intentions they were evidently bound south on their annual foray now was my time beyond peradventure never could i have had such another opportunity perhaps even if i waited patiently for years i briefly related to my companions the circumstances of my capture captivity and subsequent escape and asked their aid in rescuing my wife each grasped me cordially by the hand and expressed their willingness to see me through and after a few moments more spent in consultation we agreed on the following plan to push on at once and as speedily as possible for the indian village secrete ourselves in the adjacent mountains until nightfall and then leaving the horses concealed in the bushes that fringe the base of the mountain advance on foot to the chief's lodge once within its portal it would be the work of a moment to seek out my wife, apprise her of what was transpiring, and quietly leading her out, hasten to our animals, mount, and ride away. This plan seemed feasible, and as moments were precious, we resumed the march. About noon, we debouched through the mountain pass into a country of openings. Small prairies bounded by jungly forests and interspersed with timber islands these prairies were covered with tall grass and buffalo signs appeared as we rode into them we saw their roads chips and wallows these signs filled us with pleasurable anticipations as who has not longed for the delicious hump ribs which When once tasted in all their juicy richness, are never to be forgotten. The full-grown forms of the cacti were around us, bearing red and yellow fruit in abundance. We plucked the pears of the pitahaya and ate them greedily. In short, we dined on fruits and vegetables of many varieties, indigenous only to this wild region but our stomachs longed for the favorite food and we pushed on through the openings we had ridden about an hour among the chaparral when harding who was riding in advance pointed downward and intimated by signs that he had struck fresh buffalo tracks very soon after the animals came in view and by using the bushes as cover we made a very effectual surround killing some three or four that night we regaled ourselves on buffalo and the following morning pushed on with renewed vigor and in the best of spirits near evening on the fourth day following we arrived at the foot of the sierra and directly in front of us about midway up the valley or pass more properly speaking lay the apache village an exclamation of joy escaped my lips at last then the hopes and longings of nine weary years were about to be satisfied my reflections were abruptly terminated by harding remarking that it was highly important that we seek cover and approach the village cautiously if we expected our efforts to be crowned with success all felt the justness of this observation and seeking the cover of the mountain we proceeded on our journey in a short time we had advanced as near as we deemed it prudent until the night should close in our reins were tightened and we sat on our weary horses looking over the plain A magnificent panorama under any circumstances lay before us, but its interest was heightened by the peculiar circumstances under which we viewed it. The lodges were dotted over the plain in picturesque profusion, the smoke curling gracefully up in their dreamy spirals. One lodge stood apart, and from its size and decorations We at once guessed it to be the adobe of the chief. Harding confirmed our conjectures. Several droves of horses were quietly browsing on the open prairie. The sun was setting. The mountains were tinged with an amber-colored light, and the quartz crystal sparkled on the peaks of the southern Sierras. It was a scene of silent beauty. We remained for some time gazing up the valley, without anyone uttering his thoughts. It was the silence that precedes resolve. An hour has fled. The sun sinks below the horizon, and the mountains take on a somber hue. It is night. We urge our horses forward once more, keeping close to the mountain foot. Conversing in whispers, we crawl around and among the loose boulders that have fallen from above, and after an hour's ride, we find ourselves opposite the town. The night passes slowly and silently. One by one the fires are extinguished, and the plain is wrapped in the gloom of a moonless night. The swan utters its wild note. The Gruya whoops over the stream, and the wolf howls on the skirts of the sleeping village. Dismounting, we gather in a little knot, and consult as to what plan we shall pursue. It is finally determined that Harding and myself shall penetrate into the village, enter the chief's lodge, abduct my wife, and hastily rejoin our comrades who will hold themselves in readiness to cover our retreat, and if the worst comes to the worst, keep our pursuers at bay until we have made good our escape. Hastily divesting ourselves of all unnecessary accoutrements, we started out on the plain and cautiously approached the chief's lodge, which loomed up in the darkness like some hideous genii an indian dog that was lurking about the door gave the alarm but harding's knife entered his vitals ere he could repeat it now was the critical moment drawing the flap aside that served as a door i peered cautiously in all was silent a small fire was burning in the center of the lodge its fitful gleam dimly illuminating the interior A number of low couches were ranged around the wall. But at this juncture a dilemma presented itself. Here were a number of women, one of when was certainly my wife, but how was I to ascertain in which of these couches she reposed? If I should trust to chance, advance to the first one and peer in, and by doing so startle its inmate, even though that inmate were my wife, the peculiar nature of the visit would so startle her that she would not be enabled to recognize the intruder. However, I determined to approach the first bed and trust to the chapter of accidents for the rest. Advancing noiselessly to the side of the couch, I lifted the curtain of dressed buffalo hide, the fire cast a dim light over the face of the sleeper and oh joy it was the loved features of my wife i tried to speak whisper her name my tongue clove to the roof of my mouth i trembled like an aspen and had to grasp the bed for support this movement awakened the sleeper and with an half-suppressed exclamation she sprung to a sitting posture. To breathe her name, clasp her in my arms, and rush for the door was the work of an instant, and hastily snatching a robe that was suspended from the side of the lodge, I enveloped her in it, and rapidly gained the cover of the mountain. In a few moments our party was in full gallop down the valley leaving the indian village we started with all speed on our return i did not anticipate pursuit and we made no attempt to conceal our trail indeed my mind was so occupied with the grand fact that i had recovered my long lost darling that i thought of nothing else as we rode along each recounted to the other the story of their toils trials and sufferings a thousand questions were asked and answered and in the joy of the present and hope for the future we were for a time happy about the middle of the forenoon we approached a thick chaparral and were just entering it when a party of about sixty apaches suddenly rushed out from its leafy coverts, and with the rapidity of thought we were surrounded and captured. My wife was able, by her influence with the leader of the party, to save us from indignity, and a lengthy parley followed. I made known to the chief my desire to recover my wife, and endeavored to arrange some terms of purchase or barter in this i was after a time successful and after an indeterminable siege of pipe-smoking and discussion relative to the price we came to terms and in a few minutes i had purchased my wife at the cost of all my worldly possessions but i cared not for this on the contrary i was only too glad to recover my wife at any cost and felt no regret at parting from the accumulations of two years of toil and hardship resuming our journey we reached santa fe in safety in a few days and commenced making preparations for our return to the east the kind-hearted mexican woman overwhelmed my wife with attentions and she was soon provided with apparel more suitable than the barbaric, although beautiful, Indian costume. My principal difficulty was the want of money, and I was much perplexed to know how to secure a sufficient sum to enable us to return to our friends. It is probable that had I freely stated our circumstances and narrated our sad story, Generous hearts might have been found among the many American miners and trappers sojourning in the town, for many a noble heart beats beneath a rough and uncompromising exterior. But my pride shrank from appearing in the character of a medicant, and I finally came to the conclusion that we must remain in Santa Fe for a time, until I could find some employment by which to earn sufficient means to enable us to return to our former home. I had forgotten the fact that I possessed a warm friend in Ned Harding, or, if I had thought of him in this connection, it was not with any idea that he could aid me. In this I was mistaken, as the sequel will show. On the third morning after my return, Ned called me out under the pretense of taking a walk and after strolling about for a time in silence, he opened his mind as follows. "'Well, lad, what are you going to do next?' "'I suppose you don't intend to stay here in this ere god-forsaken hole that these yarra bellies calls the city?' "'The Lord forgive their ignorance if they could only see London once.' "'Well, as I was saying, you can't stay here.' and you can't take your little girl back to the mining country very well so what do you mean to do let old ned know and don't go round keepin' as close as an esther and never sayin' nothing to nobody thus admonished i forgot my reserve and fully explained to him my dilemma he listened in silence until i had finished and then broke forth with why lord bless ye lad ye are a gettin foolish certain. ha <laughs> ha little woman has turned her head sure why you forgot all about the mine and i reckon there's valley enough that to send ye home like a nabob if you like to travel that way the mine i exclaimed in surprise why ned i thought we had abandoned it altogether you don't mean to tell me that i can realize anything from the claim you bet I mean just that, said Harding, his features expanding into a broad grin as he marked my look of utter astonishment. Why, lad, if we were all agreed on the thing, I've got a party here that'll give us five thousand apiece for our claim. I ain't such a fool as I look, and it won't for nothing that I left Pete there holdin' possession, and there he'll stay till he hears from me so now if you're willing to take five thousand for your share just say the word and we'll have it settled in no time further inquiry elicited the information that during the two days previous while i had spent my time in unprofitable cogitation ned had been kind of prospecting round among the speculators as he termed it and had found parties willing and anxious to buy the claim held jointly by Ned, Pete Jackson, and myself, for $15,000 in cash. Ned had brought with him some specimens of the quartz, which he had shown to the intending purchasers, and some of which they had subjected to essay, and the result of this had determined them to buy the claim if everything could be satisfactorily arranged it did not take me long to decide in fact i fairly jumped at the offer the sum mentioned seemed a princely fortune at the time and in fact to one in my situation it really was so for wealth is but comparative after all the following morning the trade was arranged the necessary papers drawn up and ned left the same afternoon for the mine in company with the buyers to deliver the property and complete the transaction. In a few days he returned, and I soon found myself in possession of five thousand dollars in gold coin, the largest amount of money I ever owned. I now hurried the preparations for our departure, and a few days later rejoined an eastward-bound train and journeyed with it towards the rising sun. With the details of our journey, I will not weary the reader, suffice it to say that we made the trip without trouble or molestation of any sort, and reached St. Louis in safety. How strange it all seemed, to walk about the streets of the great city of the West, and as the residents fondly term it, the future great city of the world. Everything seemed so unreal after the long years of my captivity and wild life among the mountains that i used sometimes to fancy that it was all but a dream and i would presently awake to find myself again in the temple with Wat-Gomekla, in that strange and far-off land hidden among the mighty mountains of the sierra madre we remained but a few days in the metropolis of the west and then journeyed to a point further eastward, where my wife had relatives living, or at least supposed that some might yet be surviving. On our arrival, we found such to be the case, and a joyful reunion was the result, we being received as two risen from the dead. And now, our cup of happiness was indeed full reunited after so long a separation and such bitter suffering we had returned at last to friends and home in conclusion i can only express my thanks to those kind readers who have followed me patiently through all my wanderings and listened to my simple yet i hope not uninteresting narrative of the hardships and perils through which i have passed if the story of our captivity has proved a source of entertainment to the reader if it happily excites a feeling of sympathy and interest for the many wretched captives who yet remain in the servitude worse than death among the rude tribes of the west if it renders the general public more familiar with the region of which so little is known if should chance to afford to those officials of our government to whom the subject is regulated any new views in reference to the proper method of dealing with the indians if it accomplishes any of these ends i shall be more than repaid for my labor in its preparation my thanks are also due to my kind friend dr clark johnson without whom opportune aid this book would never have been written and now kind reader for the present at least farewell End of Seven and Nine Years Among the Comanches and Apaches An Autobiography by Edwin Eastman Audiobook Recording by Claude Stewart